Ooh, Amelia, that was crisp. Thank you. I'm a Foley artist now. I specialize mm. exclusively in LaCroix. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you specialize exclusively in talking about 1996's immortal film, Emma, starring Gwyneth Paltrow as Emma. That is accurate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Starring Sophie Thompson as Miss Bates. Thank you. The true star. The reason for the season. The reason for the season. Uh, And right away, we're already starting um, the, the confusing portion of the proceedings because I have said Emma several times. And none of those times was I talking about our very special guest, Emma Fraser, uh, who, uh, fan favorite, uh, the listeners adore her. Uh, she is, she is as wise as she is lovely, (laughs) all of those good things. Uh, and her name is Emma. So normally this episode would be called like, um, the costumes of goop Emma featuring <laughs> Emma Fraser, right? Except for it's just gotta be Emma on Emma. And then I know it's an aural medium, but listeners, you have to know she's also wearing a necklace that says Emma. So um. it's like Emma on Emma <laughs> on Emma. Um, so three Emmas for the it's price so of one Emma. Um, I, well, first of all, thank you for doing this. I'm always so tickled when we get to talk about stuff like this. Well, thank you for having me. And for once, it's a film I've already seen. So <laughs> amazing. So yeah. <laughs> was there any dodging this one when you were a kid? Did you see this as a kid or as a grown-up? Uh so it came out in 96. So I would have been 13, 14 when it came out. Um, so very much like I was aware uh of of the film. I had been bought the book beforehand, which I had tried to read and probably made like five pages. Because Jane Austen, I know she's everyone loves her, but for me, I can never get on board. Um, but I did go watch the movie at the cinema mostly because Ewan McGregor was in it. Uh, and uh, I'm a simple woman or a simple teen, as it was. Well, he's got that hair in this too. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, the fact, yeah, the, the wig is is a whole other story. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, I want to get into that with you. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I want to talk about hair. I want to talk about costumes, but first I want to know was that when I was growing up, um, I feel like I dodged the ha ha ha. Everyone makes the same joke about your first name thing for a really long time. Um, until I got old enough that my friends, well, my male friends all thought they were the only person who had ever heard of Elvis Costello. Um, Yeah. I got a lot of that once, once dudes were old enough to be trying lines yes. and shit. Um, yeah. uh, m- growing up, my issue was people would say, Oh, you want to make me some shoes? Do you know how to make shoes? Are you, do you make shoes with your shoot? Cause shoes, um, which was incredibly dull. However, I am not, uh, a British teenager who's named Emma. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is that, was it, um, a frequent, like, Oh, like the book. Oh, like the book like the book was that a thing you had to deal with no but I really remember to be honest um I don't know if maybe I blanked it out uh <laughs> potentially the the boys in the year above decided to give everyone nicknames in our year the girls um my friend got Natalie Portman because her surname was Port but I got Emma Fraser Channel 4 because Channel 4 is what Fraser was on <laughs> my surname isn't even Fraser so I was always just like just no. So that was actually more of the association of my name. I never got like an Emma um, thing, really. Thankfully. Oh, wow. huh. 
Yeah, I just got a weird <laughs> toss salad and scrambled eggs. Yeah, <laughs> the booze of Colin. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, that does that makes you sound like a news anchor. Like if you were if you said that today, <laughs> I'd be like, what a fancy and impressive job, right? <laughs> and then of course I immediately start thinking about Bridget Jones, and you, in my head you're just coming down a fire pole like over and over again. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, that surprises me, but again, I feel like. Americans have maybe a, a an unrealistic idea of what the things we think of as being super British are yeah. to people who are actually British. Um, yeah, I guess as well with Austin, it's just very school heavy. Like the tiny, I mean, I didn't actually study that much Austin, but like that's the thing I think that everyone thinks of when it comes to that stuff. So it kind of is there all the time. It's same mm. with Shakespeare. Like, it's kind of just something that you kind of know. Well, it sound, that makes it sound like, oh, it's innate in our, in our DNA. Um, but no, it's, it's just, I guess, part of the culture that mm. is inescapable, really. I guess for us, that's what? To Kill a Mockingbird, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I bet. Or, like, I guess to Catch in the Rye, like, stuff like that, maybe. That asshole, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then what's more exciting, what, what became more exciting, obviously, because it came out, you know, same year, essentially. Yeah, same year, Clueless. is, And yeah. I can't watch Emma now and not be, like, think of the analogs to Clueless. Like, every scene, like, I'm like, oh, it's the Mighty Mighty Boss Tone scene with this orchestra. <laughs> like, so, yeah, Clueless yeah. is the one that I Rolling think Rolling with the more. homies. That's, yeah. um, that's the moment that I... I th- think translate the tr- that's the moment that i think translates most cleanly um and obviously f- first of all we are definitely going to do at least one episode if you'll join us at least one episode maybe two episodes just on the clueless costumes um, oh yes yeah good okay cool um but obviously would love to talk to you about anything clueless related when we finally get there. But I think part of the reason that I think when I'm watching any Emma that I end up thinking of clueless is specifically because Brittany Murphy is so good in her little rolling with the homies scene. Yeah. That you're like, Oh, okay. She thinks that he's into her because of this. And then, then this, but, but, oh, poor Harriet like that. There's also um, a costume link that I noticed on this time. In- red plaid. Yes. Yeah. Insane, right? <laughs> like the plaid is like obviously it's complete coincidence, but it just A shows how long plaid's been around and B just yeah, that's that's the character, right? Well, maybe that's as good a point as any to actually jump into the costumes because that was I was taking my little notes, thinking about like, ooh, I'm gonna say this to Emma and she's gonna be so impressed. because um, <laughs> you know what you're talking about, and I'm an enthusiast. Um But uh, I kept noticing two things. I noticed pink all the time whenever, especially with Harriet, but whenever somebody was either falling in love or thought they were falling in love or all of that, like lots of pink in those specific, like Harriet has a falling in love dress, basically. Um, 
And then plaid, not just because of, I mean, I didn't catch the red plaid thing. That's a very fun coincidence. Um, but because when we see Harriet, she just so clearly looks like a country bumpkin. Yeah. And then we only ever see Emma in plaids like that when she's in her hilarious, I'm calling on the poor people costume yes! where she's like, look <laughs> at me. I'm little red riding hood descending to do good for the impoverished. And then, um, when she meets Jane, when Jane comes back and Jane is like her lovely textiles and her very chic contemporary neckline. And Emma just looks like, like, Oh honey, you tried. That's yeah. so nice. Um, so yeah, I, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about plaid. What, what stories were you seeing in terms of, um, the way that prints are used? Cause there are so many cool prints in this movie. Yeah, there are. So, yeah, so it's Ruth Myers is the costume designer, um, and she was Oscar nominated uh, for this, uh, which isn't a surprise, seeing as the Oscars love anything that's period. Um, and it was like the Re- Regency was having its moment as well, uh, as it is again. Um, but yeah, like Pan Story, there's definitely a lot of kind of, there's florals in there at some point like there's kind of really dainty uh emma wears like it's very dainty um floral print or it's more embroidered um dress and then her check yellow dress when she meets uh churchill for the first time felt very bold in comparison to everything else she wears like there's like a strong kind of like candy color like color story with emma like throughout but that one feels like the biggest like punch if, if you are with her looks um which felt very pointed in the fact that she's meeting this guy she's heard so much about uh moment um yeah it's like she's living a a meet cute like yeah. it's, there's, their their love story is so contrived by them and well one of them and seemingly everyone around them that um, it makes, even though that's obviously an invention of the film, it makes perfect sense to me that she would have this experience that's actually not all that charming. Like he's kind of a dick um, <laughs> yeah. and it's a real pain in the ass, but they're both dressed like they're posing for a, I don't know, like a, not even a book cover, like a painting on a, on a decorative plate or something. Yeah. <laughs> absurd. That costume I thought was v- super interesting too. Yeah, and then it's interesting as well to look at what's used in the kind of promo shots. So the promo shot of her with the bow and arrow, she's wearing white, but obviously in the scene she's wearing pink, which feels purposeful again of what they were trying to portray. Like, it's just funny that that image was the promo shot as well. I don't know why. It just feels very, like, in my head, I think Hunger Games, I guess, when I see (laughs) bow and arrow now. Obviously back then it wouldn't have been that, but I guess it's like, she's like a free spirit kind of thing, even though Emma's obviously not really a free spirit so it's a kind of weird like selling point I thought yeah it's well in it I, I I mean I don't know whether or not it was a deliberate reference but I have always assumed since I saw it anyway that it's a reference to the um the uh Pride and Prejudice film adaptation uh where Lizzie and um Darcy have their arch or I guess it's Lizzie and Wickham now I don't remember. Anyway, there's an archery scene. Um, and so I sort of assumed it was that, but then I noticed the same thing in watching it this time too, that for some reason she's in white. So it's like, they just really wanted to make sure they got that bow and arrow. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird. Iconic, but weird. 
Yeah. According to like the pop-up notes on Jeff Bezos's internet, which is where my copy of Emma (laughs) currently lives. Yes. Supposedly that was supposed to be a reference. So Ah. it's not just you. Mr. Spaceman also agrees with you. Great. Well, um, it, it's, I don't love that original movie. So it is the thing I like most about that scene is the costume. And not just because of that really fun, bold pink after she's been wearing all of these pale shades, but because of those badass archery gloves. That's my like, favorite thing. Yeah. They're so cool. And then yeah. the little chain that's holding up the side of her skirt. Yeah. Which I don't know. Is that, was that a common accessory? Do you have any idea? I feel like I'd never seen one of those before. It was so I weird. have. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen it before. But apparently the gloves are based on a design from the period. Um, cool. Is But yeah, no, I the gloves were my favorite part too. They just added this extra element of kind of edginess to it. Because obviously it's such a, like a feminine dress she's wearing um, that it actually has this extra pump of, of power in there. So, yeah. yeah. It's also, it reminds me a little bit in its effect as a, like a f- piece of comment on their economic status reminds me of the different, there's a journaling pavilion and an embroidery pavilion, and they do not seem to be the same pavilion. Um, like all of the different fit or like, Oh, look, here's our tea for the, at the archery pavilion. Let me put on my archery gloves and then we'll get in the carriage and I'll put on my riding gloves and then we'll go home and I'll put on my embroidery gloves and we'll just keep doing that. Um, but yes, I was also, I, I think that might be my single favorite detail in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and that's in addition to all of the fun stuff that she does with matching people together and complimentary color. Oh, that is not true because here that, I mean, Amelia, do you have anything to add about this outfit before I take this entirely natural pivot? Great. Um, what I want to talk about this time, because I had not really noticed it before is Mrs. Elton's costume in general. Let's do Mrs. Elton next, but specifically the the dress that she wears to the ball with those absurd red ribbons down the side, like she's the queen that it just, it's so different from what anyone else is wearing. And it made me laugh really, really hard. Yeah. Um, Like she has that dress with a very, very fragile creature with no regard to the constitution. So like that (laughs) dress also, she like, it almost like, like read like very Grecian to me. Like just like that with the and there was like the slit. I this is an oral medium and I'm doing a very bad job. There's a slit in the sleeve and then there's like bold jeweling and like a strip along the bodice and then I don't know then the the red cape thing. Emma, how wrong am I? <laughs> no, not wrong at all. Sorry, I was just looking down my yes. notes to see what I'd written. No, no, like and they're all kind all of. I want is your approval. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> But yeah, like they're, they're, all of her stuff, it feels very much like um, Wickham. No, not Wickham. Who is the brother in uh, Pride and Prejudice? Oh my God, I've just lost my mind. The guy who with the two sisters. Bingley. Where, yes. Oh my God. Totally went. So it kind of reminded me of Bingley's sisters that kind of like, she's very like garish, very different, like. She's meant to stand out. She's meant to be wearing these crazy, bold colors in comparison to everyone else. Uh, It's kind of to show how 
it feels kind of new money in a weird way, but obviously Mr. Elton's all about just status. And I think that's what she's kind of uh, doing with all those garish colors and ribbons and the like. And especially in a scene where it's all about that for them, where it's all about putting themselves above as far above Harriet as they possibly can, who, by the way, is wearing her falling in love dress um, because Harriet Smith has a falling in love dress because she wears it three times a year um, (laughs) just to fall in love. Uh, But in a scene where they're going out of their way to make somebody else feel small, um, it just, it is a really fun, evil little detail. What a bitch. I just, she's such yeah. an asshole. Yeah. And, and Julianne Stevenson is so good in that part. Like, and Alan Cumming, obviously, as Mr. Elton is, it's fantastic. And they're just like the perfect assholes, essentially. <laughs> Yeah. Which is what um, you want. Juliet Stevenson does a reading of uh persuasion, I think, is the what she's read I as long time. By the way, this is sorry. Welcome to Sickburn Jane. I'm Allison. <laughs> I'm Amelia. Amelia. Uh we're joined by Emma Fraser and we're talking about the 1996 <laughs> goop Emma. Whoops, it's been like 20 minutes. It's fine. Um we're talking about the 1996 Emma and as longtime listeners will know, I love an audiobook of something I've already read. And I've listened to a lot of Jane Austen audiobooks. As a result, Juliet Stevenson narrates several of them, but the one that when she narrates persuasion, it is so funny because I think of that book as being the least funny of all of the Austen novels, because at least with Mansfield park, you get to laugh at them uh, even when they're not being funny, uh, but persuasion is just so it's all the deep, dark feelings. Um, but the way she narrates it is extremely funny. Um, and, uh, especially when they're in line, it's really great. She manages to walk that line. So recommend it. Another Juliet Stevenson recommendation. Oh, cool. Well, I do love her. She is a delight. She is the best. Um, well, let's talk about Mr. Elton for a minute because it's not as if he gets a ton of super fun costumes, but that hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the hat as well. The hat is particularly uh, extreme. <laughs> it's very wide Also, the Mrs. Elton bonnet where she's got the like yes. fringe on the top. Yeah. Whatever this is, her little, her little like balance. Her little, little surrey. Uh, i got it the bonnets are an interesting like there's no rhyme or reason when people are wearing bonnets and when they're not i can tell which is fine like i i'm not i've said this before obviously i'm not a stickler for accuracy um it just felt noticeable that like like sometimes they're carrying them sometimes one person's wearing one i just want to know their bonnet uh why (laughs) like why certain times like yeah there's also one time harriet's wearing a lace cap yes which is so ugly (laughs) it's so ugly it's very well and it's very um mrs and miss bates um which i'm is just occurring to me now that maybe that is what we're supposed to think about because i feel like mrs and miss bates especially the first time we see them but throughout are just always covered with like four too many ruffles and all <laughs> of them look like they're really clean, but like 
have been worn entirely too many times. Yeah. Like everything is just sort of limp. Um, and Miss Bates has the Madonna half gloves. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not fooling anybody, honey. Um, yeah, that bonnet is so ugly. Yeah. Talk me through cap logic. I have a lot of cap questions. And rather than ask, you know, Ms. Google, I'm going to ask you instead. Oh, gosh. Okay, um, let's see if I can Because, like, what was tripping me up with the Bates bonnet? Well, a few things. Sorry, I meant to say cap. I said bonnet. But it's funnier when it alliterates. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, when do you hit the age in the Regency where you're just wearing your lace cap to the ball like Mrs. Bates? Right. And then also, it was weird to me when... Like, oh, Emma's coming over for tea to meet Jane. It's a big affair. I'm going to wear my lace cap indoors instead of, you know, just like have my hair out looking cute. Like what, what were the motivations for like cap versus no cap? When were they, like, what's the deal? What's the deal? I, I mean, I assume from a story point of view, it was, it's just to differentiate and show her age. Cause they wanted to make her look older um, than the actress actually was, uh, which feels slightly egregious. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I think I think it's more to do with yeah, just distinguishing her kind of style and age in comparison to other characters, rather than it being specifically about what they did in the period. Because I bet they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> so, so I was wondering if that was like their no white after Labor Day kind of rule or not. So okay, it was just yeah. I mean, I I just can't imagine that you would have won something like that at those times. But I'm not a Regency costume expert but it just felt more story driven than like accuracy driven which actually this movie apparently the designer got a lot of shit for how inaccurate it was like apparently people were legit mad at her um which is interesting because if you look at these costumes in comparison to the recent emma they seem much more in line, I guess, with what we think Regency looks like. And obviously if you throw Bridgerton into the mix, which is a whole other <laughs> ball game of accuracy questions. Uh, like no corsets in this, which is an interesting just choice that she made was because she didn't want anyone to look too done up. She wanted mm. it to appear light. And she thought that if people were corseted, even with those silhouettes, it would look very heavy. Um, so that's a thing that people were mad about <laughs> and the colors people were mad about as well. Like the candy colors, people were like, you know, which is strange because when you watch it today, I don't know if it was maybe because the DVD I had, but like, it seemed quite muted to me mostly, but yeah, apparently it was very bright. for 1996. I agree that it looks, um, to me, like it's not especially colorful. And I guess no. if you think about, the Pride and Prejudice miniseries, then it does look a little bit bright in comparison because yeah. you're right that the Bingley sisters wear really loud colors, but everything else is like white or white with gray over it or maybe white and a pale pink and that's about as far as it goes. Um, and obviously those red coats, but that is but that is about <laughs> it. Um, but really it's the only dresses that seem actively loud to me, again, outside of Mrs. Elton are the yellow dress, which seems intended to have this sort of larger than light quality, that pink archery dress that we already talked about. And that's really about it. 
Yeah, there's some like kind of sea foamy greens in there, mm-hmm. um, and there's some blues, but they're all relatively muted. But yeah, when she talks about it, it's like she's referring to them as being like she'd seen inspiration on watercolors, which I can kind of understand it being that, but I would never call them like you know bold. <laughs> like, I, I think bold. I think that image of Anya Taylor Joy in that yellow that's on the Emma poster from her mm-hmm. one like that's bold what they wear in Bridgerton obviously is very very like pastel like macaron heavy um but yeah this I was like it looks pretty it looks pretty 90s regency to me so it's strange that she got called out for things back then that we don't necessarily notice now mm-hmm. so I think it's just and obviously every period thing is when it's like reflecting the area you're in anyway. So I guess for that time, that probably maybe was a bold choice to use this like pink color. But now we're just like, yeah. <laughs> like essentially. <laughs> um it just I just in my head, because you've got me thinking about the uh parallels with Clueless now, but now I'm thinking about Gwyneth's yellow check dress and Cher's yeah. yellow plaid suit and my brain yeah. is just no, no. <laughs> um that yeah. is some iconic costuming you know yeah. what should have been nominated for an Oscar for costuming clueless yes yeah contemporary gets fucked every time like mm-hmm. even something say like La La Land which is contemporary but the costumes look period like yeah. that will get nominated um it's very rare that anything straight contemporary will get nominated now. Like Devil Wears Prada did, but that's obviously very specifically. And that was mm-hmm. Patricia Field who did Sex and City. So she had like name recognition as well. So it's my pet peeve in the Oscars, <laughs> frankly. Uh, my great hope is that somehow uh, because of the fantasy element that maybe everything everywhere all at once could sneak in but i'm not holding my breath have you seen that yet emma it's not out here yet like and it doesn't but- really it doesn't have a release day yet either and i'm so annoyed <laughs> well yeah. i just read a story about how it's making more money than anybody expected so hopefully soon yeah come um, on a24 yeah get on it a24 we, we need we need you to see those costumes because man those are some really excellent costumes uh and yeah. really have you seen that yet not yet you're just gonna I'm a lazy it. bones when it comes to going to the damn cinema physically now so i just need to, need to get on it yeah well it is obviously also getting much weirder out there with um covid again because we apparently never learn uh, what yep <laughs> I am shocked, simply shocked that there is COVID in this establishment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Well, let's talk some more about color because I was struck by the number of times that, um, because it's the obvious connection to make, but when Emma matches nightly and when she doesn't, because sometimes I'd be like, oh, well, they're definitely not going to match in this scene. And they would. And other times I think they're for sure going to match here. And then they didn't. Um, But then sometimes it seemed, obviously at the end, they're like, they just complement each other perfectly. Um, But yeah, let's talk about the color story throughout beyond the uh, designer taking shit for it, because that's stupid. The colors are great. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's 
like I said, it's just indicative of the time. Um, and also her budget was tiny. I was reading. So the movie was 6 million budget overall, um, which even for 96 is pretty small. And so she basically had to do everything on a shoestring budget. Uh, she designed all the clothes at Helen Mirren's flat like in London <laughs> because she was a childhood friend isn't this a great story um yeah so she spent five weeks at Helen Mirren's um designing uh she designed like over 120 costumes uh in that space of time which also is insane um and because UK costume houses are actually quite expensive uh, which is something I learned in another recent interview uh they couldn't rent that much so they were actually it was more affordable to make rather than rent for a lot of the characters for background so wow yeah, it's like segue <laughs> into to background there um uh i want to really quick because it's an oral medium i need the listeners to know that amelia looks like her whole world just improved because I'm going to guess that it has been years since you actually learned something new about this movie. Is that accurate? That is extremely accurate. Yeah. Um, it's like, she, it's like Christmas. It's she, I've rarely seen her in such a state of rapture. She's so happy. Um, also my head Canon is now that I'm sorry. What was the designer's name? One more time. Uh, Ruth Myers. Ruth Myers. I'm going to, my head canon is that Ruth Myers was at Helen Mirren's flat and was working on Mrs. Elton costumes. And then Helen Mirren was like, what if you had some big red bows on the sleeves? That's my, that's my head canon. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that works. I, I think that is, right. uh, yeah, no. Perfect. Amelia, you were going to say something about this lovely moment. Yeah. Time to open another can. That's what that means. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, no, this is so, I mean, okay, beyond five weeks at Helen Mirren's house, which is a mini series that we need to produce immediately. Yeah. Um, first off, yeah, because again, the pop-ups on Jeff Bezos' internet really loves to do the like, the Spencer that Harriet is wearing here was also worn in the 2003 such and such thing that you haven't watched yet. And so I would have assumed that renting would have been the more affordable option. So it's like making being cheaper than renting is wild. Yeah. So yeah, the UK costume houses are quite expensive, um, which is something I learned. Yeah. In this other interview, because it was this, uh, for Vienna blood, which is a BBC series, but also like Austrian co-production. Uh, and yeah, the costume designer was like, yeah, no, we couldn't rent anything from like the UK. And I was like, Oh, was it cause of Brexit? And he's like, no, <laughs> he's like, it's just too expensive. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I would like to invite us all to incriminate ourselves in planning a perfect crime. The crime is this. This is an invitation. <laughs> How do we plan a perfect heist of a UK costume house? There's got to be a way. It's probably not that hard. Um, Emma, can you help with some initial logistics? And then I'll roll in and be like, I'm just a stupid American. Oh, was I not supposed to go through this door? Sorry, I can't, like, I can't read. And I think we could do it. Like, I really think we could do it. I think that sounds doable. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I can't wait till this shows up in our Instagram stories and it's just Amelia yelling, sorry, I can't read. <laughs> You're on the wrong side of the corridor. You don't know the direction. <laughs> sorry, corridor? We don't say corridor. <laughs> See, exactly. It's a perfect crime. It's a perfect crime. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, <laughs> then we'll just get in the in the go up. But I'm trying to remember what 
Britishisms Michael Sheen says in 30 Rock. The go up box. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember the other ones, but we'll have to get in the go up box. Yeah. And, um, uh, and go to the to the roof. And then we'll summon a TARDIS and store all the costumes in the basement of the TARDIS. Uh, because TARDISes have basements. TARDI have basements. Um, and Does then... the flood? Ooh. <laughs> Well, I mean, yes. Uh, and then we'll go back to 1996 and and have a really great rate and we'll rent costumes for a song to the 1996 Emma. Yes. Perfect. Everybody wins. <laughs> Hooray! Hooray. Yes. Let's do we it. We get to hang out with Helen Mirren. Right? Perfect. <laughs> um, all right. So what else? Oh, so we were, uh, I, I ruined a question about uh, Mr. Knightley that I was going to yes. answer as well. Oh, no, I so, ruined it. I was the one who ruined it. You continue, <laughs> please. Um, so obviously he kind of has the Darcy thing going because um, as I also recently discovered, uh, I'm going to plug myself now. Uh, so I wrote a piece for Town and Country like a couple of weeks ago about the Darcy effect, uh, the Colin Firth Darcy effect on costuming Regency men. And obviously this is like within a year of the BBC one coming out. So you do see Knightley and in my, I mean, I see Knightley and I think Darcy because... That's it. he's less kind of like buttoned up than Darcy is. Um, but costume wise, I would say there are similarities. Um, but yeah, you are right about there being like parallels with Emma, um, particularly the end, uh, which I do think is interesting. Uh, yeah, no, um, sorry, I'm kind of winding <laughs> in my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I. I don't know. We've never had a linear discussion. Okay, cool. Never. Um, I was trying (laughs) to think what I want to ask about this Darcy piece. Oh, because then I immediately started thinking, oh, well, obviously, because Frank Churchill is costumed like such a but like such a dandy. His crushed velvet, the purple is and purple obviously is rare um at the time and so it does strike it's like it's this big moment that he is wearing this crushed velvet like purple jacket which is excellent and going Um, to london to get a very expensive haircut yeah vibe (laughs) and it's the worst wig in the world literally that haircut is a crime against you mcgregor like truly like what did he do it's not flattering (laughs) it's not flattering i was reading as well so he I don't know when this interview was, but he basically said this is the one role he really regrets taking. Not because, <laughs> not because of the material, he said, but because A, he thought he was bad in it, and B, the wig, which, <laughs> which is fair. <laughs> the wig is terrible. I also don't think he's bad. I think he oozes sex in every moment. At the picnic, he's lying there like, like the the BD is like off the fucking scale. Um, I'm glad he took this part personally. So he should not be sad about it. I agree. It is a bad wig, though. Oh, it's um, a terrible wig. Yeah, the wig that and he, that's he's coming, right about that. <laughs> and that we're coming off of what five seasons of bad wigs on Outlander, and some good wigs, but we've seen a lot of bad um, men's wigs in our recent yeah. history. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's this really bad. Post, it was post train spying, so he said he was just looking for something that was very different, and obviously. <laughs> Transporting and Emma are, I, I guess, completely. <laughs> 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 They're not in the same universe. 
so you can understand why he was like, yeah, I'll do a, like a, you know, costume drama. I guess to ride a horse, be a bit sexy. <laughs> Not doing I'd like to, I'd like to witness your reactions to this. No pressure. Okay. Um, a fact I brought up before again from the pop-ups on Jeff Bezos's internet. Nice. Did you know, did you read, did you see, did you notice because you have the eye that his wig lengths are extremely inconsistent, even within the haircut narrative. And no. that like, when he's saying like, I'm with a tender and devoted nature, I have to tell you something before it's like, they're interrupted. And she's like, well, he loves me. Yeah. Um, like his wig gets longer I in a way that doesn't make sense <laughs> from like the day before and the last time she saw him, like he's wearing, like he's in the wrong wig. He's in the wrong That's... wig. Yes. Listener. Emma has clutched her face. It's all I wanted. Okay, it happened. <laughs> That's extraordinary. I, I kind of want to believe that the wig department were fucking with him, but who knows? <laughs> that would be hysterical. Maybe Ian McGregor was just a little bit, he was coming off of this huge hit, um, feeling his sex symbol oats, and got a little big for his britches. And so the wig department was like, yeah, yeah, okay, here you go. Wear this. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I um, also love that uh, Jane Fairfax, I, you might mention this already, but the fact that she is uh, Penelope Featherington from Bridgerton, yes. which is, and I love that she's so cleavy in this because of obviously how much she talks about her daughter's cleavage in Bridgerton. So I like mm-hmm. that her character in this was the one who has the most cleavage. I thought that was a nice full circle moment. Yeah, it's... um. That is, I hadn't thought of it in those terms. I was just thinking that it's interesting to see her play someone who is um, not seemingly all that concerned with presenting herself as being superior in any way, Um, uh, even though she's wearing, because of her affiliation with the Dixons or whoever, she's wearing these um, beautiful, really rich looking, obviously um, more chic gowns than emma is where she looks like she's in from the city you know what i mean yeah she came home from college um and (laughs) emma's like fine whatever um whereas in bridgerton it's all like we're incredible has anyone noticed (laughs) that we suck we're amazing um yeah i just it's so funny to me that it's such a muted performance and i don't mean that in a bad way yeah she's so low-key and it's the perfect way to play jane because jane like if jane were a crueler person it would be a very um well i don't think about you at all kind of situation (laughs) (laughs) she just doesn't care you know what i mean like yeah okay um until you started flirting with my secret boyfriend i just was fine but now you're flirting with my secret boyfriend and that hurts my feelings yeah so but frank is a dick Essentially, Such a right. The piano moment. It's like you fucking bought the piano. We know this. Like just an asshole. Guy. Yeah. He is. Um, is there anybody else that we should make sure to talk? We talked about Jane, talked about Frank. Um, I was a little bit perplexed by the costuming for Mrs. Weston. Like it seemed kind of all over the place. Sometimes I was like, wow, you look loaded. And sometimes it was like, she was trying to be matronly and weird. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. I also was confused by that. I guess as well, like her narrative does just feel 
she is just there as a prop in a weird way. It felt like I don't know. It's just I I agree there was there wasn't that much consistency. I don't think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amelia has like, seen this movie nine hundred and seventy two times. Do more you than that, but yes. Thoughts? Yeah, like Mrs. Weston is so perplexed. Again, she's so perplexing because at first you think that her signature style is like long sleeve with a matching puff on the shoulder. And then, yeah, then she goes into like, again, what is this lace around the neck signifying? Is it age? Is it status? Is it both? Probably yes. And then like at the ball, suddenly she's wearing pink and it's like a little short sleeve shawl, like the same silhouette that Emma's wearing. And the like, is Mrs. Weston just going through an identity crisis and actually was this a perfect <laughs> piece of costuming? Like, was she the, I mean, she was oh, the maybe. young governess and now suddenly. Oh. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought about it like that. But See, yeah. the, the ball one is the only one that made any sense to me because at this point I was on, um, uh, Emma, do you remember in the, Tilo recapping Mad Men phase when they would clock Jones Flowers of Sadness all yes. the time. Yeah. I feel like I was on Jones Flowers of Sadness watch, only it was um, uh, Harriet Smith's Falling in Love dress, obviously, as I've referenced m- multiple times in this single episode. I'm yeah. so proud of myself for noticing pink and love together. <laughs> um, but... Uh, because she's wearing that falling in love dress, it's like, oh, well, this is to so, to make us link these two women because in Mr. Elton being so unbelievably rude to Harriet, he is also simultaneously trying to hurt Emma, which also wounds Mrs. Weston because it's her party and she's so mortified that she asks him to do this thing and then he leaves her in this uncomfortable position. Um, so that was the one where I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it's so out of character that it still feels really jar. I was like, what are you wearing? You, it's, it's, she doesn't look married. She doesn't look, um, I can't tell what season it is. Uh, yes. ever, really? It's like always spring, except for when it's Christmas. <laughs> I know, right. Oh, can we talk about the capes? The yes. Black yes. Capes? Because there was one that you only see very briefly when it gets taken off. And I'm like, oh, come on, give us more time with us. Like, it's, Incredible. And obviously with uh, Mr. Elton and the uncomfortable uh, carriage ride, which also the camera work in that scene was so like, we are clearly on a soundstage, obviously in the back of this thing, but we are moving around, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that made me laugh. But yeah, no, both of those capes were absolutely to die for, just the the fur lined. Uh, Although one of them was definitely a capelet and I'm like, this doesn't feel that warm. (laughs) Like you are covering to like your mid back maybe so that was a choice i um, loved that she was wearing that chris i love a christmas blue yeah um mm-hmm. because it i feel like it's so easy to go red or green and it just i love a christmas blue but then it's like i think we need to make sure everybody knows it's christmas let's just put some holly like put little <laughs> holly berries right here it doesn't make any sense but let's just put little just little holly right there um yeah, I, I'm a big, I'm a big cape. Fan. Who among us is not a big cape fan? Yeah, and and she also had those really cool like capelets with the kind of very delicate uh, like kind of fringe detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of like champagne colored. Uh, she had a good collection of uh, outerwear, I guess, if, if we're mm-hmm. going to call it. If we're calling it outerwear, but yeah, uh, big fan of those ones. Yeah, I think Emma dresses. 
and you know what? So to share Emma, this Emma dresses, um, like she's costuming herself quite yeah. often. Like she has her visiting poor people outfit and she has her sort of like painter smock kind of (laughs) weird things. And she's got her archery gloves. Um, And that's high drag, you know, I respect that. Uh, But it does make it feel a little bit because that costuming story is so apparent. It just makes it stand out all the more when it's somebody like Mrs. Weston and it's just kind of an afterthought, it seems like. or uh, Mr. Woodhouse, we've got that one scene at the beginning where he's wearing what's obviously like a sort of sweater over his regular outfit. And then after that, it's again, sort of like an afterthought. We don't really think about what he's wearing, but um, but it's hard to complain when the stuff that is good is so good. Because man. It also just occurred to me that perhaps some of the criticism about the costuming, this is literally a thought I'm processing right now, uh, is to do with Gwyneth Paltrow being American, playing a like a British character in the sense that people can be quite snobbish, even when it is someone like Bridget Jones. Um, so it doesn't matter if it's a contemporary character or a uh, classic fiction character. So perhaps some of the criticisms directed uh at Ruth Myers was criticism directed at Gwyneth Paltrow for playing the character and for her fashion status at the time, perhaps. Hmm. Hashtag blame Gwyneth. (laughs) That's a working theory. Um, Because I I mean, it seems, I feel like I recall some sort of hoo-ha about her being cast um, in the part. Because obviously she was on her her rise at this point. Um, It was pre-Shakespeare in Love, um, post seven. So she's in that kind of like period where she's coming up. Obviously, I guess she she would be called a Nepo baby now because of who her parents are. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is her like godfather. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's like legit like Hollywood yeah. royalty. And Obviously, not to mention a disgusting person, so I'm not going to mention him by name, but obviously there was a producer who was crafting her career at this time, um, and he obviously has nothing to do with her actual success. But so I think that there's this, like, element of how Gwyneth Paltrow was being marketed at the time. So I feel like maybe there's some of the criticisms towards the costuming could have been in reaction to that. All just yeah. a working theory. No, <laughs> I that, I, I sort of remember that as well um i would have been third i guess 12 or 13 at the time um so similar uh to you but i sort of have a vague recollection of that as well as that being sort of a dust up because i re- definitely remember the same thing happening with shakespeare in love yes. um yeah. and when it's fake like i don't know her aspiring anglophile whatever yeah um taking a lot of shit for that uh here's a question because i asked you this when we talked about bridget jones whose accent is better renee zelliger's or gwyneth paltrow's oh i think maybe renee actually i think maybe gwyneth got better but i think maybe renee for at this time with these movies I, I, I guess being married to Chris Martin has probably improved uh, Chris Outdoor's <laughs> <laughs> British accent. But actually, I mean, neither are particularly bad. Like, they're both, like, 
serviceable, which sounds like a, a dig, but it's not meant to. <laughs> I, I will also say about Gwyneth Paltrow as well, it's interesting with the pink that she obviously then wore pink when she won the Oscar. And obviously oh, that yeah. dress is seen as like one of those kind of like very divisive Oscar dresses. Um, I quite like it. For that moment, for, you know, she knew she was going to win. So like wear a big fucking pink dress if you want. <laughs> like... Uh, but yeah, I, I I actually quite like Gwyneth Paltrow um, as in in terms of her acting career. I think she's better than people probably at the time gave her credit for. Um, and you know, she's done an impressive job with her business as well. So I agree that I think she is better than she still is better than she gets credit for. The yeah. Politician is not a good show, but she is very funny on it. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, she's hilarious. And she's very funny in this. Like, her comic timing oh, yeah. is perfect. And I think, yeah, like, she just... Her boyfriends and whatever, that, that seemed to yeah. be the stuff that people picked up on for some reason. Well, and Goop is patently absurd. Obviously, hugely well, successful, but... Oh, <laughs> well, um, yeah. Yeah, there is just <laughs> Just, like, endlessly mockable. I will uh, say as well, sorry to interrupt. No, please. Uh, but yeah, if you look at um, red carpet pictures from the premiere of this, uh, like, with her mom, it's really cute, uh, with Blythe Dana, um, she's wearing this black slip dress, which is literally the most... 1996 look of all time you'll see that her hair is like in this messy updo she's got red lipstick on she doesn't have a cigarette in her hand but she might as well like it's the most <laughs> quintessential mid-90s premier look and she looks great now i'm googling it um gwyneth falter yeah. emma red carpet google take me away um i think i was just gonna say she was also funny and glee which is stupid but she <laughs> she's is funny. She's that's the thing. I wish she would do more. Like, I mean, she's unintentionally funny as well. Obviously, when she's like, I don't remember which Marvel movies I'm in. Like, no one could be more iconic than her not remembering that she's in Spider Man. <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> Have you never she, seen that, Amelia? No. You must. After we get done with this, go find that clip. It is extremely <laughs> funny. Um, she legit also, just cannot remember. Yeah. Right. Oh, that is a cute look. That is extremely 90s. That's so funny. You could wear that now as well. Like, oh, yeah. She, she could literally wear that now and it'd be another. Oh, and that was actually the other thing I wanted to say about the character of Emma is the wedding dress because obviously it's such a huge, like, moment. And apparently, as per Ruth Myers in this interview she did with Insider after the 25th anniversary, inspired a lot of wedding dresses, including the work of Vera Wang. Allegedly. Whoa. So, yeah. Whoa. Apparently that lots of people wanted a wedding dress in that style. Uh the the train is pretty amazing. I will say that. It's very pretty. And it's less well, again, because we've got style icon Mrs. Elton right there being a butthole because there's um a shocking, <laughs> a shocking lack of satin. Lack of satin. <laughs> 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 um, I'm specifically gonna ask him about Emma, do you agree there's a shocking lack of satin? Apparently so. I mean, I can't I don't want to disagree with the the sartorial excellence of Mrs. Elton. <laughs> <laughs> She's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> She's got I don't know if you know this, but her brother also has extensive grounds. It's a whole thing. She really knows <laughs> her shit. Um, but because we see her in such ostentatious stuff, I was, I just 
guess in my, I, I mean, and I've seen this movie several times, but as I was coming towards the last scene, I was like, oh, I forgot what the wedding dress looks like. Can't wait to see what ridiculous thing Emma is wearing. Cause she's going to have to one up, um, all of these people who were like Jade that can't, it's gotta be better than Jane Fa- Fairfax's wedding dress. And it's obviously gotta be better than Harriet's and it's gotta be better than Mrs. Elton's. Um, and then it's so restrained. I mean, it's beautiful, yeah. but it's not anywhere near as absurd as it might be. I like That's that. probably why it's so popular as well. Well, it was so popular as like people requesting it because it is relatively muted. So it can have like a weird, like it can kind of the longevity of that design isn't just within that decade, uh, well, that decade, that century, which apparently it was based on a real dress from like 1810. So mm. it's, that's probably one point where she's like, fuck you guys, this is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, it also looks better in close up. Like I saw, um, it was on like uh, an exhibition and seeing it, the details of the dress and there's like a sprig design, which I don't think you can really see on camera, which is always so disappointing when there's obviously been a shit ton of effort put into it. There was, like, a vintage lace overlay. And I just don't think it reads that well on camera, maybe, mm. was uh, my thought. And then apparently the director, and this is insane, uh, wanted a bit of it to be, like, cut because he thought it was going to make Gwyneth Paltrow look fat. Fuck which you, <laughs> Which literally, like... I don't even know in what world that could happen. <laughs> like, like even if technically the camera, I don't even know if that's true. Like the camera adding weight is, seems bullshit, but like, it's so just gross and feels very, I guess, mid nineties of someone to, be able to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was the time yeah. period where Kate Winslet was quote unquote fat. So, yeah. um, yeah, and heroin chic, I guess, and like modeling was like the thing. Right. So, but yeah, Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. I think the only time that she could be called that is when she wore that fat suit in that bad movie, that Shallow oh, House. God. That's it. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, which we shouldn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> at all. Let's uh, let's be done with fat suits in general. There's no yeah. need for them. That's yeah. that is, it's really stupid. Yes. Um, and hurtful. Anyway, uh. Anything else that we want to talk about? Any boxes we want to check? Um, Allison, I have a question for you while Emma's looking at her notes. Emma, or, yeah, Allison, this is just for you, unless, great. I mean, everyone's allowed to have an opinion. Would you please rate Emma's nightgown on a scale of bisexuality? <laughs> I was thinking about this, and it it's weird because it looks like it should be a bisexual nightgown, but it is not a bisexual no. nightgown. It's like... Because it's less practical. It's, you know what? It's the nightgown equivalent of fake pockets on jeans. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Because it's not, it is not a bisexual nightgown. It does not look comfy and practical and also stylish. It looks like it's supposed to look like it's comfy and practical, but is purely ornamental. It is not a bisexual nightgown. Thank you. It's a poser. It is queer. That nearby that nightgown is queer baiting. <laughs> no, shut down. <laughs> Thank you for seeking my. It's the only area of expertise I actually have. Uh, bisexual nightgowns because it doesn't exist. I made it up. That's a thing that doesn't exist. Anyway, um, Emma, <laughs> did you find anything in your notes? 
I, I feel like I've covered oh actually one thing that I found I love that I'm putting my finger up like I'm in class uh so basically with the shoes apparently the majority of the shoes were kind of like ballet shoes but um comfort essentially um yeah that's one of the things that they did rather than traditional shoes for their guest budget again uh they went with ballet style Well, they do look comfortable. I was watching, um, I was looking at, uh, Emma's feet and one of the scenes where she's walking with nightly. And I was like, that's nice stroll. That's yeah. It looks like just taking a nice stroll. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, the budget thing was interesting. I thought, but yeah, like, I guess people don't always take that into account with these big costume dramas is that sometimes there isn't the money. I am shocked that it's cheaper to make in this circumstance, cheaper to make clothing than rent it. Yeah. Like um, it said that they rented a lot of like the men's hats. Cause I guess that is just cheaper to do that. But in terms of background, yeah, it was, I guess, cheaper for the fabric and to whip it up. And, wow. Yeah. Wild. wild. Well, uh, Emma, thank you so much. Yay! Um, always a pleasure. Like I said, Amelia was so excited get to talk to you. Is there anything besides this Darcy story, which I'm going to read immediately, um, that you want to <laughs> plug? Um, I just wrote a thing for the Daily Beast, actually a couple on that. that um, so I wrote one about why Apple TV is the best streaming service at the moment based on opening credits for things like Severance and Pachinko and Slow Horses. And I also wrote, I don't want to spoil it in case people haven't seen Maisel season four, but I wrote about a particular relationship development uh, in the final episode of that season that was very hot. Um, and yeah, you can just find my words. Oh, I've, I've got a Russian doll thing coming out when the show comes out, I guess season two comes out. So look out for that costume piece, uh, with Jen Rogan, um, which was very fun. Um, cause yeah, Russian doll season two is excellent. And yeah, that's that. Yeah. I'm kind of, there's a lot, various fingers and pies and such. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> You can find all of this, I'm assuming, on Emma's Twitter feed, which is Frasbelina. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Uh, and it she'll we'll make sure to tweet these out from the Podlandercast account. I am going to spare her the end thingy. So here's where Julie is going to cut the episode, and then I'm going to send her a separate future Allison here. Um, I'm not going to do any of the time bits that we normally do. Uh, I want to thank Emma for being our guest this week. You can find her on Twitter at Frasbelina and find all of her uh, amazing work all over the internet. And I highly recommend that you do because, man, she is legit. Um, As always, thanks to Amelia. Um, We also need to thank our patrons. But first, I'm going to do the social media stuff. God, I'm out of practice. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at... Podlandercast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Instagram at podlandercast and podlander presents and sickborn Jane, which by the way is the name of this podcast now, even though it was originally sauced in Austin. It's a whole thing. Uh, you can also find sickburn Jane on Twitter at sickburn Jane. Um, and you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast, where you can support the show, nay, the shows, uh, and get access to bonus episodes, um, live crowdcasts, such as the one we're having as a send-off to our dear Janine, which is happening on May 17. I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking. It's May 15. 
You can join us on May 15 to send Janine off on uh, Crowdcast, and that is through Patreon, patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. We want to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to do these shows, which we love doing so much, but we especially want to thank the following wonderful people. Watermelon, watermelon. <clears throat> Kelly Armstrong, Sydney Taylor, BG, Jess Bree, Cats.156, Maddie Perkins, Snazanak, Lisa Brand, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Jen Collins, Ashley Tigason, Tina Barnett, Nicole Rodriguez, Kristen Freckled, Fury, Laura Colm, Amelia Bazell, Liz and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Tori Halligan, Claire Feeney, Rochelle Lefevre, Jerry Hurdle, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Kelly Mazella, Chantal Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jennifer Polkowski, and Gibson Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCurry, Julie DeToy, Jen Lynn, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and Kiki the Wise. Uh, apologies about the loud car, no- loud car noise. We will be back next week to talk about Outlander some more. Um, y'all come. I was about to say y'all come back now you're here, but that's not a very Emma thing. Um, ta!